back to the Adam B and Adam G NBA podcast. Very quickly to end the world's longest drum roll. Adam G, you're engaged. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Adam B. Yes, engaged to be married. Um, it's uh, very, very nice to hear the words fuck yeah from the person you want to spend many, many, many years with. So it's um, much appreciated. Hats and off to you. That's a grown man move. Yeah, it, it really is me adulting quite well. You're a fine adult and you're a fine young man. And other things that are going fine are our Pelicans playoff watch. Last time around, we said these guys have got to get in there. And uh, they've responded. They're sixth in the West, seven and three in their last 10 games. Adam G, could we finally see a competitive Pels playoff series? Yeah, definitely. I think they've been listening to the podcast. Clearly. Yeah, and just listening to our calls for an improvement on their play and their position in the standings. And I really hope this continues and we get into a little bit of a playoff run for the uh, 2018 Pelicans. Well, if you got DeMarcus Cousins dropping 40, 20, 10 stat lines, which hasn't been done in 50 years. The first time. Yeah. Yeah, the first time in exactly 50 years since Wilt. I mean, those are monster numbers. It was a double overtime game, but shit, who cares? Cousins, only player in the league in the top 20 in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. He's leading the Pelicans in assists. That's a team that has Drew Holiday and maybe the greatest assist-hunting point guard of a generation, Rajon Rondo. Cousins is leading the Pels in assists. Yeah, and except for a couple of uh, Shaqton a full quality uh, passes and mistakes uh, in ball handling, he's a good passer and he's shown it. He's shown that he's still with Anthony Davis, one of the most skilled bigs, and probably Marcus Ole as well, is one of the most skilled bigs uh, in the game. And look, DeMarcus dropped those monster numbers on the Bulls which is one thing, but... Eyeballs. Your, your Chicago Bulls, yes. Nothing wrong with that. You know how heavy Laurie Markkinen is, really? The, the Finnish guy, the Finnish rookie, how, how much he weighs. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, I love him, and he's a wonderful prospect and has hit more threes in his rookie season so far than anyone else or any other forward, but... He's not a big, big man in terms of girth or weight. No, he's a skinny boy. So he will. No, so for Demarcus Cousins, yeah, Demarcus Cousins. I mean, the guy lists. The guy says he's listed at two forty pounds, and he looks more like two twenty or two thirty. And to him, for him to go up against Demarcus Cousins, that's just not fair. Given that Demarcus Cousins is pushing two seventy or two eighty. Yeah, and look. The, the, despite the fact that they're moving the ball quite well, their offense looks sound. They are. If they can just does, clean yeah. up on defense, no, they could probably get even, to a 5 That's not seat. even fair. What? Sound, I don't think, is fair for them. I think you have to say a nicer word than sound for their offense. Their offense is very, very high quality, very, very good. 
not quite top two or three, but just in that next bracket. Right. I mean, they're fourth in points per game, but they're 29th in points allowed, um, a point differential of like 0.03. So, or 0.3 rather. So, look, if they can just even slightly clean it up on the defensive end and keep any kind of consistency going in to the second half of the season, they're a serious threat to lock up one of the upper rankings in the bottom half of the West playoff standings and maybe even get themselves a good matchup. I mean, it's it's a it's a long shot, but imagine if they got themselves to like, I don't know, a five seed where they were in a four five matchup. That could be extraordinarily sexy for their chances of actually winning a playoff series. Absolutely, and look, if we count out the Lakers, who have also gone seven and three over the last ten, the issue the Pelicans do have in terms of getting into that top four, maybe sneaking a fourth seed, is that they ha- them along with the Thunder. The Timberwolves, the Rockets, and the Warriors have all gotten have all gone, sorry, seven and three or better over the last ten games. So it's not like these teams are really slowing down ahead of them. No, in fact, there seems to be a little bit more consolidation up the top of the West. The the T Wolves and the Thunder have kind of worked out their shit officially, right? So maybe yes. not as much jostling available there, but if they can just stay ahead of that. Um, that pack competing for the last few spots in the West, like the Denvers of the world, if they can keep their noses a few games ahead of those teams, they're in good stead. Yeah, and they always have a chance if they're now playing the the Wolves or the Spurs, and not because the Spurs is a bad organisation or badly coached, but because the bigs for the Spurs and the bigs for the Wolves have defensive issues, and there is always the possibility of two good boogie games and two good Anthony Davis games within a seven-game series, and all we is and it? we know that all it takes is what yeah all we we know that all it takes is one player to maybe go off and you can win a playoff game. Correct, and this is when well, that's when stars come out. That's when stars really truly matter. Um, but right now, one star that has really not much ability to help the people around him is LeBron James. Cleveland, the poo-poo Cavs, are in a bit of a free fall, topped off by, well, I think, by giving up 148 points to the Thunder. 148 points in regulation. No overtime. The worst, as as many points as a team has ever put up against LeBron James. Yeah. Um... I do appreciate the listeners who have held on for seven and a half minutes uh, to hear uh, the main drama going around in the NBA. Um, But we like starting with a positive. We like starting with someone like the Pelicans, who've shown good signs as of late. Uh, But obviously all the talk around the NBA has been around LeBron and the Cavs and Ty Lue and the quotes he's coming out with and our favorite scapegoat or everyone's favorite scapegoat, Kevin Love. (laughs) Uh, and I think the person or the people who are thanking the Cavs the most are your Celtics, who have sneakily lost four in a row, and no one has mentioned anything. Yeah, which feels patently unfair, because there have been four really, really average losses, punctuated by an inability to get anything done on the offensive end. Their defense remains... As I said before, very good. sound. You can't complain. I think they're number <laughs> yeah. one in the NBA still. Um, yes. But 
you see this stagnation that happens when Al Horford goes off, and especially when Kyrie goes onto the bench. There's there's not a lot, and as we've touched on before, it's guys like Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, who are relied upon. No, no, just stop there, stop there, stop there, stop it there. And for anyone who watched that Celtics Lakers, uh, very entertaining game. For Marcus Smart to do what he did on the last possession, get the rebound, take it up the court himself, and jerk up, up a, a horrible off-balance three when he can't shoot a three when he's balanced, and Kyrie was open calling for the ball off a Horford screen, uh, that's just absolute crap. And I'm sorry why we've diverted attention away, away from the Cavs again. This is not a blacklist. This is just a minor interlude onto the Celtics. Um, but should we just move straight into the Cavs? Just really quickly on the Celtics, they'd want to hope to God that they can put up a more respectable, consistent performance tonight against the Clippers. Um, but yes. Oh, they will. They, they will. Some of their players look like they're a little bit overconfident, which happens when you sit, when you look at the standings and you're still in the back end of January at the top and you're a young player and you see the occasional behind-the-back pass or lazy turnover and they're the kind of little things that can happen midway through such a long 82-game season. Um, but I've, I think I've grown to have faith in this team now because they haven't shown lazy signs. They haven't shown like they're going to slow down. They are treating the season pretty seriously, and they want that number one seed. And um, I don't think these four losses will count for anything come playoff time. I think the time to worry about the Celtics is when they let go of the rope on defense. That's when they've kind of given up on their identity or gotten arrogant to the point where they don't feel like they have to commit to the same principles. So for now, yeah, yeah, it's not great, but it's, as you said, a kind of predictable run-of-the-mill late January slide. But this is kind of the big question yeah. in the NBA at the moment, right? Like Cleveland is in the midst of a really shitty slide, but... Yeah. With them, everything is so magnified, the chatter is so loud, it's hard to tell how significant a slide it is. So, yes, they gave up 148 points against the Thunder. But if you dive into the, the teams they're losing to and their performances against potential playoff rivals or playoff peers, you're saying that they're you know 0-6 against the top six teams in the West's and one and seven against the top three teams in both conferences this season. So one and seven against the top three teams in both conferences. Adam G, can you remember what that one win was? I cannot remember what that one win was. Was it a win over a Raptors side? They beat the Celtics on opening night when Gordon Haywood broke Uh, his leg. Yes, yes. Okay, so since then it hasn't been great. Um, no. Look, without over, without overreacting, and it's the main disease filled in the NBA circles through the media, not wanting to overreact, this is a team that was already struggling with its roster composition and new players coming off uh, last season, as well as some players not being in the greatest form. This is a team coming off multiple long playoff runs and fatigue and a team that has now incorporated a high usage ball dominant player into its lineup 
after he has also had seven months off due to a major injury. So there are excuses for their performances. Now, the issue I've got is that we haven't seen much improvement and Tyloo hasn't shown me that he's installing anything within the team to help. Uh, but there are excuses and there are legitimate excuses or reasons for their poor performance. Yes, I, I do agree with that. What I'm more interested in, um, to me, the bigger question is, can they get their chemistry in the right place by playoff time? Um, and, you know, team meetings aren't unusual. Team meetings happen. Guys go at each other and clear the air. Uh, but the pile-on in the past week on Kevin Love, punctuated by a team meeting where his teammates were pointing the finger at him, saying that he, he wasn't playing the right way, that he faked an illness against the Thunder to get out of the game early. Uh, he's been he, His stats have been the biggest victim of Isaiah Thomas's return. He's absolutely fallen off a cliff, shooting 30-something percent from the field. Um when news like this brews, the chemistry question comes to the fore. And you, I wonder personally, can LeBron be that leader again? We've seen this story before, but can he be that leader one more time and get them in shape for the playoffs? He will. And there's a possibility Ty Lue will actually do something to help out. Uh, lineup changes are the first thing to do, given the poor form of Jay Crowder and J.R. Smith. Uh, the issues with Isaiah and Kevin Love, and we know that Kevin Love's the NBA's greatest scapegoat for, I think, ever since he arrived in Cleveland. Uh, the issues can be sorted, and I think that there is a possibility that it can work between those three players. There's no reason why Love, Isaiah, or LeBron should move. I mean, LeBron, yeah. There's no reason why Isaiah or Love, who have been talked about, should move out of the starting lineup because they are two of their best three players. The issue I've got is that it doesn't seem like there are a lot of rules or either offensive rules in terms of their scheme or defensive rules in terms of their scheme that are actually helping out the entire team. It doesn't seem like there's anything being done from the coaching staff to help that chemistry that you talked about actually happen. Now, if their answer is just put Dwayne Wade in the starting lineup because him and LeBron are best buds and, voila, there's chemistry, it doesn't just work like that. There's got to be some kind of five-man in sync, this is what we do and this is how we do it, and these are the sets you run and mm. – and it works from there. The Celtics against the Lakers in the fourth quarter. Now, if anyone really wants to uh, w learn more about the NBA, the best way to do it is to just fast forward to the fourth quarter and you'll learn about most teams and how they play, especially in close games. The Celtics in the fourth quarter ran the same possession, I think four or five or six times in a row. And from that, multiple different players had shots, multiple different actions came off that. And all it was was one of the guards dribbled up on to one wing, and on the other, on the weak side of the floor, it was an Al, Al Horford and Kyrie off-ball screen mixed in with a Tatum cut to the basket. So all it was was they ran that same play again and again and again in crunch time at the end of that Lakers game, and from that they got good offensive, uh, good offensive looks or good looks. Um, not all of them went in, but they got good looks, and all they were doing was incorporating their best players 
into get them into the best position to succeed as possible. Right. Not and, happening on the cap. And the guy with the ball would have options. Like they, they were never under tremendous pressure of being trapped or making a bad pass no. or ending up with a bad look. It was relatively simple to get a good shot. What I ask is like when the effect that that has on the Cavs, you only need to look at a guy like Tristan Thompson who has been absolutely banished from this team, whose effectiveness and impact is now nil. Uh, It's a huge waste of him. And this kind of freelance offensive scheme and the way that Lou is messing with the lineups in-game and seemingly just flying by doing what he pleases, the effect is there's no consistency. Players don't know their roles. Players are competing for shots. Players are rushing shots. And then you get these weird team chemistry issues saying, Kevin Love, you don't really have the flu. Yeah. And look, I mean, Derek Rose took two months off from the team and no one started a team meeting about why he fucked off. Uh, and I love him. He's it's the only jersey I've got is a Derek Rose jersey. But um, it's just easy to blame Kevin Love. For all we know, the media is making it into bullshit. We don't actually know what's going on in their locker room. Um, but it seems like we've almost stumbled upon a fact that or just by talking it feels like we've stumbled upon the fact that this is a coaching issue that they still have quality players on that team and they might have answers on that team even if it is not the greatest defensive answers they don't necessarily need to be trading for a george hill or a deandre jordan um if their coaching staff can just put their players in a better position to succeed together as a team i don't know what you think The last thing I wonder about this team, I personally think some sort of change needs to happen, some sort of shake-up, whether that's to the starting lineup or a trade or firing Tyron Lue. And I'm wondering what you think is the most likely outcome. Is it that they leave the team untouched and it just works itself out? Is it a radical lineup change that kind of solidifies itself through the second half of the season? Is it trading Kevin Love or Isaiah Thomas for a another piece or is it firing to Ron Lou? Well, and I think um, I think I agree um, and we'll just finish off with the Cavs but I do agree that it is needed something big is needed I don't think a lineup change quite does that unfortunately and I don't like calling for coaches heads but I feel like unless Ty Lue can show something soon I feel like it's going to be him that's my final thoughts on the Cavs and I don't see why a team with this much talent can't be better and unfortunately that usually leads to a coach losing his job yeah the first to go always all right Adam G we're going to wrap up this super quick podcast thank you for your time beautiful man you're still in Chicago are you yes still in Chicago in the windy city uh it is a beautiful city to visit uh, recommended to all our listeners. Uh, really appreciate as well. Thank you for continuing to download and listen to us for one minute or 20 minutes. Um, and thank you very much, Adam B, for uh, spilling the news at the start of the podcast as well. <laughs> My pleasure. Enjoy the Windy City, you scamp. Thanks, Adam G. I'll speak to you soon. Speak to you soon, Adam B. Yeah.